It is so good to see you. And I am so tempted to say good morning. Um, But it's not. And uh, we're going to take a little time and open God's word. Would you please open your Bibles, if you have your Bible with you, to Luke chapter 2. If there's a Bible in some of the seats there, grab those. We're on page 857, 857. Uh, We've been in a series here as a church family, if you're visiting with us, just so you know, we've been through a series here in the month of December through Luke chapter 1 and 2. We've talked about the announcement of Emmanuel, the arrival of Emmanuel, the adoration of Emmanuel, and today is the acceptance of Emmanuel. We're in uh, Luke chapter 2, we're covering verses 22 to 38, and we're going to meet a man, we're going to meet a woman, and we're going to meet a people. And all of them have to do in association with the one that has come, Christ's child. Christ has already been born, beginning of Luke chapter 2. The shepherds have come and adored him in that. And now we're following this up. And uh, join me, because this is marvelous. First, we meet a man, and his name is Simeon. His name is Simeon. Let me start in verse 22 through 24. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, this is the they is Joseph and Mary, uh, they brought him, Jesus, baby Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And, And verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is kind of an event that we don't necessarily know exactly what's uh, taking place here in our own culture of things, but uh, what's happening here is they are coming to the temple, and uh, Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus have left home, and 40 days after the birth, out of Leviticus 12, talks about this, Leviticus everybody's favorite book to read, and out of Leviticus 12, just trust me, it talks about the, the redemption of the firstborn. Uh, The redemption of the firstborn comes out of the principle that very early on from the beginning, God set in place a principle that the first belongs to the Lord. And Leviticus 12 talks about how in this, this is really a special, very cool thing, to where God set in this practice of it, to where the firstborn son is to be brought to, or here in this context, the firstborn son is brought to the temple, and and there's a redemption of the firstborn. Uh, Here's how that goes down. So 40 days after the birth of Jesus, the parents, they, Joseph and Mary, they go to the temple. Uh, at the temple there, the dad would enter into that area where there's kind of that, you can see the arrows there, where they would come, they could enter into the front down at the lower part, and that's inside the court is the court where the Jewish men and the women would be, and then they would walk up the stairs, and Joseph, this is the picture of it, Joseph alone is carrying Jesus He walks up the stairs through those doors back into the back area where the priests are. And outside in that area is where they would do the offerings, the burnt offerings, unto the Lord there. And so can you picture this? A dad carrying his baby boy into the back. And what he would do is when he would get back there, 40 days after the birth of of Jesus, that he got back there and he would announce that this is my firstborn son. And and one of the priestly family would be there, and then they would ask him, do you want to uh, leave your son for the service to the Lord? Principle, because the first is the Lord's. Or do you want to redeem back your son? 
and raise him on your own. Uh, Know this, this was a thing that every Jewish couple would do with their firstborn like this. And, and, And in it, it was this idea that, listen, it's a reminder, this child is the Lord's. And yet, what a blessing we have to be able to raise this child. We'll redeem him back. And so they would give an offering here. The text tells us of two turtle doves and two pigeons. Who cares what they did? Because in Leviticus 12, the normal sacrifice was a lamb. But here, for those who are poor, you could do two turtle doves and two pigeons. It's telling us that this young couple is a poor couple. And the second person of the Trinity is born into a normal family. Because the second person of the Trinity is not coming to sit on the throne in this coming. He's coming to go to the cross and die for sin. Well, the parents uh, in this process uh, redeem uh, Jesus back in the terminology of it and uh, through this offering. And how amazing it is, how ironic it is. The Redeemer is being redeemed back in this setting. It's a really special thing. Verse 25 and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Two things were told about Simeon here. One, we're told that Simeon is a righteous and devout man. Simeon is someone who's serious about walking with the Lord. Also, we're told here that Simeon was a waiting for man. I love that. Oftentimes, men, we can just be very active, like go, go, go. Here, he's waiting. He's waiting for something. He's waiting for the Lord's Christ to come. Now, there are a lot of things that could be sent about Simeon to define him. Could be talking more detail about his age. Could talk about his family. It could spend time talking about his career, his successes, his position and standing in the community. There's a variety of things that the text could talk about. But I love this. We are told that Simeon, of all the things that could be talked about, Simeon was a walking with and a waiting for the Lord man. I want to be like that. I would pray that we would all that that would be the thing that defines us. Of all the things that could be said, that's the thing that's said about this man. A walking with and waiting for the Lord man. Verses 27 through 33. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, which I told you earlier was the process, verse 28, he, Simeon, took baby Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. By the way, the the terminology that he uses, now that I can depart, that same word was used back in the day to untie a ship and just let it sail off. Isn't that cool? Simeon's like, you know what, Lord? I can just be untied And I can just be let to sail off into the sunset. For I have seen the salvation of the Lord come. Verse 31. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples 
light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. A comment on that last verse there. I had made reference last Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, to uh, the text up in verse 18, talks about those who heard marveled at, And the word that's used there is kind of they were astonished by, they were marveled at, but it didn't say anything that they did with it. And it was kind of stated in the form of of the grammar to where they just had this one moment of marveling. But the thing that's unique about uh, what's said here about Joseph and Mary is is it's this idea that they continued in their marveling. That as this is all taking place, they're taking it in, taking it in, taking it in, and continuously taking in what in the world is going on here with their baby. Uh, They know but God is still helping them understand all that's taken on. And by the way, friends, so should we. Never should we get bored with this story. Never should it become ho-hum. Always pondering, wondering, and marveling that God came. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, you got the picture? He's been making this declaration up in verses 29 to 32, and now he kind of turns to Mary and says something just to her, and he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword, Mary, will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. A comment here about this uh, statement to Mary with the sword. Uh, the terminology that's used there is not talking about like the idea of a butter knife or a little pocket knife. It's actually a unique word that's used here talking about a full-length sword, like a Goliath-sized sword. And it's also stated in the kind of a way to where it's not like, hey, Mary, you're, you're going to have a sword pierce your heart once. It's actually stated in the kind of a way that Maury, uh, Mary, uh, you're, you're gonna, your heart is going to be pierced again and again and again raising this child. Hey, right before that, Simeon said, because this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many. And Mary, you're going to feel the hurt of it. As a mom. In this whole thing, one of the things that's clearly standing out, if I had more time to explain, but I don't, so I'll just cut to it, is that in this statement, basically what is being said is there is no neutral ground with Jesus. When Jesus is on the scene of the earth, there is no neutral ground. There's falling, there's rising. There's not neutral ground with this one who's come. Uh, Jesus is not the man. Jesus is not a golfing buddy. Jesus is not someone's boyfriend. Jesus is not someone who's just like, give him a little nod, kudos. No, no, no. The text of Scripture talks about this is the one who has come. Fall down on your knees and adore him. Not a nod. Fall. Fall. God in the flesh has come. And by the way, at the end of verse 35, it says, so that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There is something about this time of the year, friends, within the whole base of it all is this. Jesus has come 
And that fact ends up resulting in a revealing of you and me. We've seen from Simeon, it's been revealed that Simeon is a walking with and waiting for the Lord man. Part of the question on the table today is, what does Christ reveal about you? Because he reveals who we are. Next, a woman, Anna, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years. That's a great way to say elderly, isn't it? She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Anna was a unique woman here. This text isn't saying that this is what every woman should be doing and how they should be living, but this is Anna's story. Anna, by the way, means grace. And she's a prophetess. A prophetess is, or a prophet is, is someone who has the role of speaking for God, who is the one who speaks the, the word of the Lord into things. And here is this woman there at the temple uh, being that. And here she's 84 years old. And she lives at the temple. She was married for seven years and then widowed ever since. What does this tell us about Anna? It tells us she knows hurt. And it tells us she knows loss. And it tells us that she knows that life didn't deal her the deck that she probably thought she was going to get when she was younger. And may I note this though about Anna. She's not bitter. She's actually right where the Lord is. Putting herself, worshiping and praising the Lord, not bitter, not angry. What a woman of grace. What a woman who wants to seek the Lord. She is a fasting, praying, and speaking God-truth woman. Hey, ladies, more of that woman, right? More of that. Here, the Lord is in the house, and the core of who Anna is is revealed in verse 35. She chose to be a fasting, praying, and speaking for the Lord woman. So the Lord comes into that temple. Simeon is revealed as a walking with, uh, waiting for the Lord man. Anna is revealed as a fasting, praying, uh, speaking, God-truth woman. And then third, we meet a people. I'm calling them the all who were. I read verse 38 here. And coming up at that very hour, she, Anna, began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. Way to go, Anna. Way to go, girl. Love that. To whom? To all who were. To all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. To all who were waiting for the one to come, the Messiah. By the way, it's very important to understand where the where is here in verse 38. The where is where Anna was. And where is Anna? Anna's at the temple. And so what's going on here is all who were, were at the temple. They're at the temple and they're hearing Anna saying thanks to God and speaking of him. And so what defines these people that are there? I would just note this. Uh, they were choosing to be at the temple together. And being there in a certain manner. They're there in a way waiting for the Lord. 
Friends, all through scripture, there is this pattern, this picture that God wants his people together. And here are these people coming together, waiting for the Lord. They didn't know this was going to happen this day, but it did this day. But they're just coming together again and again and again and again, gathering together. All who were, were a together waiting for the Lord people. A together waiting for the Lord people. They had chosen to be there. They had chosen to be together and they had chosen to be a people that is waiting for God to show himself. By the way, remember, God has been silent for some 400 years from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God has been silent, and yet God's people here are coming together. These particular people are coming together, waiting for the Lord to show himself again. That's what happens when God's people gather together. Because in the time of redemptive history, again and again, while God certainly does things with individuals, I will tell you as you look at the whole of Scripture, God shows himself in the corporateness of God's people. And if you want to know what God is doing, get around God's people. Not just here and there, not just on the outskirts, but get in with God's people. Pastor Doug, is God at work here? He is. How do I know that? You know, sometimes media is fantastic and sometimes it really gets in the way. Because part of the thing is, we'll send us an email and tell everything God is doing. You know, make a video of that. All those things are wonderful. But here's part of the thing that's going on. When God's people gather together, God shows up. And we are living in a world where where people are wanting to be further and further and further away from each other. And, oh, friends, God has called us to be together. Just even like this afternoon on Christmas Eve. And when we are together and we interact with each other, we find God at work. Love this picture of people coming together, waiting for the Lord to show himself. Oh, harvest, might we be that? Might we be that increasingly so? A man, a woman, a people. Note what's happening here. The Lord has been born. He is brought to the temple. How ironic is that? He is brought to the place where God resides. God is in the house. And there he is there. And hearts are being revealed all around. Simeon is this walking with and waiting for the Lord man. Anna is this fasting, praying, speaking of the Lord woman. And all who were had chosen to be there as a together waiting for the Lord to show up people. Emmanuel's presence reveals what we are about. Emmanuel's presence reveals what you and I are about. And I just ask this question, this Christmas, I think the Lord would be honored by the fact of each of us considering what does the presence of the Lord reveal about me? Where are you at? What does it reveal? Listen. 
it's a good thing to be revealed in this way. We have a tendency to want to hide. And yet the Lord has come and he wants us to consider where are we at? And friend, if you're not sure, talk with someone you came with. Come and talk with us. We would love just to be able to come alongside and together walk with you. He has come. And because of that, everything is different. Hope is available. He has come. Lord, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having come in the flesh, born of a manger, (coughs) to be among us. Lord, your coming is intended to reveal some things about us. It's intended to reveal the fact that we're in need of a Savior, every one of us. Separated from a holy God because of sin. And we're in need. And rather than us just being lost in ourselves, you came in our place. You came. You could have just left us stuck here in our condition, separated from you. But you came. And God, it is in that coming. It's just not a fact of history. It's just not a piece of data. The reality of you having come means that a decision needs to be made. It means that a life can be changed. (laughs) It means that everything is different. So God, as we gather as families, as individuals, and open presents, or consider whatever is on the table, Pray most of all this Christmas, Lord, that we would pause and we would remember the Lord has come to be with, to love, and to die, to rise again, making salvation available to all who would receive him. Everything is different. Everything is different because you've come. And so we adore you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.